Hello, everyone, and hi to our BC correspondent, Drea Humphrey. I'm Tamara Ugolini, and today is, oh gosh, what day even is it? <laughs> Tuesday, July 18th. And it was international something. Oh, yes, I, I looked it up today because we're trying to give, <laughs> pay homage to David Menzies, who's our mission specialist, who usually is here co-hosting or, or rather hosting the daily live stream. Um, but today you get Dre and myself because our studio is under hopefully the last round of renovations. And if you want to find out more about that entire process, you can go to our special website that we have dedicated to funding the renovations to the studio at buildthedream.ca. So uh, the studio is closed all week and we're looking forward to releasing it back to you, our viewers and the public early next week, if all goes smoothly, which you never really know with renovations, <laughs> whether or not they'll run yeah. smoothly. But today is um, International Day of Listening. So congratulations oh. to all of our daily live stream viewers, because you get to listen to Drea and myself for the next hour roughly um, talk to you about the news of the day, provide some commentary on some hot topics, and basically just give a general run through of what's happening in the world, um, economically, sociopolitically, etc. And uh, if it's your first time joining us, we are streaming on a few different platforms. So you can find us on YouTube, Rumble, Getter, and Odyssey. And I think we have some COVID-related topics planned for the end of the show, at which point we will unfortunately have to cut our YouTube stream. Uh, YouTube's community standards basically stipulate all of the things that you can and cannot discuss. And in there, it gets into some nitty gritty COVID related restrictions and we don't want to have to self censor. So we will stick around on YouTube to cater to the, I don't even know what it's, what it's at anymore, like uh, 3 million plus almost 4 million uh, subscribers oh that we goodness. have there. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so we don't want to disavow or, you know, disregard any of you. So we're trying to keep up our presence on YouTube, but that is becoming increasingly difficult with the mm -hmm. censorship of big tech in the era of all things narrative or else. Um, so we will give you a fair warning. We'll probably go to an ad break toward the end of the stream where then we'll kind of transfer and transition over to those other platforms, but only one platform, which is rumble. Are you able to engage with us directly? So we ask that you give us a small monetary donation there, $5 or more, if you feel so compelled. And that way we can read your comment on screen. You can give us a tip, a trick, or otherwise, and it's a great way for us to keep our journalistic efforts going strong, keep the lights on, fun things like studio renovations and upgrades. Um, equipment is not cheap, so if you'd like to, you can send us a Rumble rant over on that platform, and then we can give us some commentary and maybe get some feedback. Drea, am I missing anything there? I know that's a lot to take in all at once. Yeah, no, I think it's good. And for anybody who is one of those millions following us on YouTube and hasn't actually subscribed to us on these other places that stand for free speech and in a way, freedom of press, I encourage you to do so while you're there, maybe on Rumble um, and check us out there and just hit subscribe because you never know. All right. Well, with that being said, let's get into some of our topics to discuss with you. Uh, the first and foremost is uh, Minister Marco Mendicino, who is caught once again lying to the public, just boldface lying. Um, we actually launched an entire campaign uh, about Mendicino because he's so notorious for his lies, primarily mm -hmm. throughout the... Um, the commission, the trucker commission that took yeah. place earlier this year. And uh, he lied repeatedly that stating that the police were asking for the federal government to step in to deal with the peaceful trucker convoy that had taken to the nation's capital in January and February of 2022. And he said that the police asked them to invoke the Emergencies Act, which is basically yeah. wartime legislation that targeted peacefully 
uh, protesting citizens who were standing up to government-sanctioned COVID-related mandates and measures, namely the um, COVID-19 vaccine mandate for truckers crossing the border to and from the United States. And uh, he he even, I guess, joked about bringing in tanks, like this was some yeah, sort of so Tiananmen funny. Square situation um, where we need to bring in tanks to, again, kill, like squash a completely peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. He repeated lies in the House of Commons, such as that um, there was a hotel smoldering, but it was totally blown out of proportion. They alleged that it was like a full-blown arson attempt at a nearby right. hotel by, I think it was purple-haired freaks essentially <laughs> and they were trying to tie that back to the freedom convoy he repeated this lie in the house of commons there are so many lies here i really can't even keep up so if you wanted to no. find out more about who mendicino is and how he has continually misled canadians misled parliamentarians which is a dangerous slippery slope for any democracy you can do that at firemendicino.com but today we have the latest lying endeavor Mm -hmm. by the minister. Um, and I'm just going to pull it up here. It comes from the Globe and Mail. And so Medicino has lied that there was a transfer, but from Paul Bernardo. And for anybody who isn't aware, Paul Bernardo is like one of the most notorious violent sexual uh, criminals in Canadian history. He yeah. and his assailant, um, Carla Homoka, conducted absolutely horrific crimes against her sister, her own family, and young, other young teenage girls. Um, crimes that are much more horrific than I even want to get into here. But these are like bona fide. Actually, we just dis discussed this. It's bona fide in British and Canadian pronunciation, not bona fide. <laughs> it's the American one. But these are bona fide psychopaths, sociopaths, hardened disgusting yeah. criminals with like minds that are unable to be reintegrated into a civil society like to have the mind of one of these individuals is just absolutely horrific to think about but this this man Paul Bernardo Carla Homoka got off she's actually out mm -hmm. reintegrating into society has I think three kids a new name a new name As three kids protected identity um, really gross to even think about that. But Paul Bernardo is still behind bars, but he was recently moved from um, a maximum security prison into a medium security prison. And it's this huge scandal now because there, Marco Mendicino is saying that he was never aware of this and Trudeau was never aware. And, and now that the public backlash has ensued because people are saying, why is this criminal psychopath being transferred down into a medium security prison, putting potential safety risks, right? Mendicino is the public safety minister, and this constitutes a public safety risk. Um, and so he's broiled in scandal here, once again, lying mm -hmm. that they didn't know that this was happening. And then he tried to hide behind privacy legislation, essentially, um, stating that it was his right to, under the Privacy Act, that it couldn't be disclosed where he was being moved. Now, through freedom of information request documents and email communications, it's being discovered that that really wasn't the case. And um, in cases where there is a public interest, so this would constitute as that, these sorts of moves can be disclosed. What do you make of this, Drea? And yeah. do you think this was, you know, the government is acting transparently in this instance? No, of course not. And that's, uh, <laughs> you said it, he's lied before, he's lying again, he's getting caught in the lie, back uh, tracking. The article also says that he um, sort of tried to deflect at some point. Um, he's been dodging questions around it. And now the, what we were told is that because of the Privacy Act, that's what made it hard. But no, uh, we've got a fair response on that. Um, the Privacy Act and other legislation currently put significant limits. That's what he said on what can be discussed. But then we have, and I'll probably butcher that name. Um, so, sorry, I was ready for it. So Kev Kevin Antonucci? 
Yes, thank you very much. It says it, the Privacy Act currently allows federal government institutions to disclose personal information in the public interest. And like you said, this is a huge in public interest story. How can this happen? How can a torturous murderer, uh, you know, teen girls that we're talking about here be moved to a medium security prison. And by the way, Trudeau was briefed on this. They knew about this, that it was going to be happening in advance. The public needs to know how this happened, why this happened. And the big issue here is the victim's family. They're being re-victimized mm -hmm. by this decision. So obviously they want him back, which isn't happening yet too. So mm -hmm. he's being caught in a lie about that. And the excuses he made are not holding up. The next thing that I'm wondering if Bernardo is just going to start identifying as trans and then he could be transferred into a women's only prison. I mean, this seems like the way that the world is going, the way that the political landscape is going and the way that these liberal minded criminal justice system is going. This seems like an, a logical next step for Bernardo. I don't want to give them any ideas, but my goodness, what kind of upside down bizarro world are we living in where real public safety threats are being brushed under the rug? Our public safety minister is lying to the, Cana to the public and to Canadians about them, and then they just get away with it scot-free. There's no yeah. accountability. There's no transparency. These are things that politicians would resign over in previous years. I don't mm -hmm. know what has changed, especially it seems through the COVID hysteria. They can just get away with whatever they want these days and not have to have any sort of public accountability. Um, but this, this is once again, clear instance of lying by a federal minister. And I think he's just going to continue onward and upward. Yeah, you're right. It's scandal after scandal we're seeing, especially from the liberals and nothing seems to happen. And I think they know that. And also when you mentioned, for example, the lies about the trucker convoy, they also know that those lies are amplified. So when they say one thing, many times the media just takes it as gold, runs with it. And that's what the majority of people think. And so maybe that's what they have in their corner is just knowing that most people will believe what is said if you say it with a straight face, I guess. Um, but it mm -hmm. is good that we are seeing more and more um you know truth come out in these areas so and well, in the media about... i think yeah go ahead no, I was... well i was just going to go to the side note here when you mentioned how like disturbing the two minds uh, carla homoka and paul bernardo are it always fascinates me how can such sick people find each other that's that's always the creepiest thing like you can have one person who is like that but then they actually find another person marry another person like that it's so disturbing the whole story is really gross because it actually seems like in hindsight she was the mastermind behind mm -hmm. a lot of these crimes but then she cried victim yeah. And um, basically got a plea deal because she tattled and ratted out Paul Bernardo and certain things that they locations of of bodies and other crimes and evidence and so forth. But then when that did happen, they discovered all of the tapes because these so these people, these two individuals were so disgusting in their mind that they actually filmed and recorded all of their horrific crimes. So there was clear evidence of what they did. They recorded mm. it themselves. And then when the um, recordings came to light after she had done this plea deal, it was revealed that through the, the, the evidence, the untampered, straightforward, verbatim mm. evidence, that she played a key role in these yeah. crimes. Oh, I can't even stand to look at that. It's so just, oh, gives me the mm -hmm. shivers. So, so gross to yeah. think people are capable of doing these kind of heinous crimes. Um, and so, but she's on the streets. She served, I think it was 12 years. She's on the streets now has a family. I don't know who would want to, uh, start a family with such a, a disheveled individual, but Anyway, um, regardless, these are really horrific crimes that these young teenage girls were subject to, and they were all recorded. Extremely perverse, disgusting. Uh, these are people who I think can never be fully reintegrated or remediated into a civil society. And here we are putting a mastermind like this into a medium security prison and just simply not telling anyone that that's happening. And yeah. again, very, very big safety concerns. 
Um, and our public safety minister is just embroiled in lie after lie after lie. So that's what we have for yeah. Canadian politics. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. And then I guess another failed political policy um, is, is the case for high immigration. So we're seeing more and more that uh, we don't have the housing and the infrastructure capacity to house all of the people coming and seeking refuge or otherwise into mm. our country. Trudeau campaigns on this amazing open, basically open border policy where seemingly anyone and everyone can come to Canada for a better life. But what the immigrants are finding when they get here is that it's not actually a better life because they're being shoved onto the streets. There's no housing. There's no support system in place. The funding basically doesn't exist, I guess, because we're sending it all to uh, the Ukraine to fund a proxy war. But um, this particular report comes from the Canadian press, and it, it says the report shows the economic case for high immigration, but warns of housing trade-offs. And so essentially what this article is saying is that um, there's an immediate trade-off because we don't have enough housing. So this is mm -hmm. really putting a strain on the, the housing structure and system and driving that inflation. But um, the report said, and it's a report from Desjardins, and it was released on Monday, it said that the it finds that the working age population would have to grow by 2.2% per year through to 2040 to maintain the same ratio that existed in 2022. And I mean, Drea, is this surprising to you when we're told basically like don't have babies and save the yeah. planet? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I'm reminded of those bus stop posters that were put up down in the lower mainland that said the best thing you can do for your child is not have another one. One minute Ugh. we go from uh, let's save the world from climate change by not having enough children to, uh, oh, we need more children, but don't don't have children or we need more people, but don't have children of your own. Instead, um, you know, let's have pet people in that we don't have the housing structure for right now. So yeah, it is. Um, it does definitely contradict a few things. And it, I wonder how this is going to play out. They've um, got lots of things here in this report that, that is, I guess, supporting that narrative. But what will happen if we keep having um, so many people come? Will we see what's happening in other countries start to come in Canada? And of course, everybody is experiencing the spike in inflation. I just had a birthday party for my son. I couldn't believe the bill. Like that was probably the, the most uh, obvious inflation has been to me. I knew my grocery bills have gone up, but, but hosting the regular party that you do for your kids at your house, I was like, whoa, that was a big, big difference. Yeah, every literally everything across the board, like it's not just yeah. specific to food, supplies, yeah clothing, shoes, everything. everything has gone up. And then it also in the grocery store, they're hiding the inflation by just marking the price up, you know, 50 cents, a dollar, a dollar 50, so on and so forth, but also shrinking the packaging so that you're not mm, as yeah. privy to the inflationary rate. But um, I, I just want to highlight this quote here by Randall Bartlett, who's a Desjardins senior director of Canadian economics. And he says, I feel like, and so that always gets me because I, I feel. want to prioritize thoughts instead of feelings, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, he says, I feel like the discussion around immigration levels in Canada, by and large, focuses on the immediate impact on the Canadian housing market. <laughs> and it's like, okay, um, yes, because <laughs> we have a homeless crisis, uh, First time home buyers will never, I, I don't know how anyone is buying a house in this market and trying to get into the market if you're not already a well-established home homeowner or mm -hmm. have equity, so on and so forth. The the young people, if you're in your early, late teens, early 20s, yeah. mid 20s, trying to get into this market, I'm sorry, it's impossible. And I feel for yeah. them. And yeah. um, so this is definitely the immediate impact that we need to have a discussion about because looking down to 2040 and how the mm -hmm. trade-off is, I guess, going to make sense at that point, as we're told in Canada, Canadians don't have babies. Canadians don't keep that population going. Um, I obviously completely disregard that advice, but um, <laughs> we need to bring in 
you know, people from other countries to offset that. And well, that's down the road in 2040. We do have yeah. an immediate crisis at hand here and it needs robust discussion and some solutions mm-hmm. because opening the floodgates obviously isn't working and it's damaging those of us here at home. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is, you've hit it on the nail with everything there. And I think we're just going to have to see how it goes. I want to mention renting too, because there's a lot of people who can't Mm -hmm. even afford to rent in this area. I'm seeing that families are coming together and renting homes together. Um, And it's still outrageous. So you're right. It's very grim looking for the future of our young ones. And then we're saying, yeah, come, we need you to come here. We don't know where you're going to stay. You know, maybe there's some shelters. We can start to see what happened in New York start to happen in the areas here where the homeless is being displaced. And I know we're covering Mm -hmm. a lot of this topic. Um, Is it called migrantreports.com, our website? Yeah, Migrant Reports, but then also we'll be, I think, launching a new one either today or tomorrow to discuss what's happening at home with the homeless. Because as you mentioned, they're being displaced by the migrants Mm -hmm. coming over who also have nowhere to go and nowhere to live. And, And I'm also talking about seasoned, well-educated professionals here. There are doctors, surgeons, nurses, engineers, people who have robust backgrounds and education who are coming over here on the promise of Mm -hmm. having a better life, on the promise of having um, employment opportunities. And then they come and they have nowhere to go. There's no resources. The next step hasn't been arranged politically, right? It's just come to Canada. Everybody's welcome here. Thanks, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And then when you get here, there's nothing. There's nothing prepared. The red tape stands in the way. Um, we actually have a clip here from just two days ago from Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, because we see, I think it's 50% of the amount of immigrants that come to Canada come to Ontario, and then they're further condensed and siphoned into southeastern Ontario, because that's where we have the largest kind of economic growth happening in the country and, and northern parts of Ontario you know, it's a harsher climate, not as much work and economic activity happening up there. So we see a large concentration of immigrants coming into this small pocket of southeastern Ontario. And Premier Doug Ford recently gave some remarks on that. We have a a quick clip that we'll share with you here. So the the feds, number one, have to pay up uh, the the city of Toronto. This is where myself and the mayor uh, agree 100 percent. They owe the city of Toronto $150 million, and I, I can't even put a number on uh, the expense that we, we've done through education and healthcare and so on and so forth. So uh, if you bring new people in, that I've been encouraging them, by the way, to bring new people in because we need to fill the 300,000 jobs, you have to step up and you have to give them working permits. Like that, that is shelters number one, working permits are number two. And so I'm going to be all over the federal government to make sure that they they get these people uh, back on their feet. You can't just drop people and say, okay, we're we're all done. It doesn't work that way. We need to work collaboratively all together. Yeah, there's the Justin Trudeau liberal policies in action. How many of those 300,000 jobs are displaced healthcare workers who are unvaccinated? And what about programs where, you know, perhaps you can work on training some of your own citizens to take some of these jobs? I know in British Columbia, Mm -hmm. their solution to the nursing shortage is to lessen the amount of time it takes for a foreign nurse to come here and to also put millions into attracting them to come. But it's still a process that's going to take many years. Meanwhile, you have some young adults whose parents haven't been able to pay for their post-secondary schooling. What if you put some of that money into training our ready, capable, and willing young adults to becoming nurses and filling those gaps as well, right? So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do have a similar program in place, but it's been also heavily criticized because people don't want fast-tracked nurses. You know, you need that robust Mm -hmm. experience. You need that hands-on, tangible clinic work uh, to gain the expertise and the experience to deal with emergencies as they happen, especially in an an emergency department. Um, So I don't think there's any sort of quick fix, easy solution here, but obviously this hasn't been well thought out. And as we see with, you know, ambiguously worded legislation repeatedly coming down from the provincial or the federal liberals, 
Um, this is just a piece in the puzzle that wasn't thought out. And now here we are, the taxpayers really get to bear the burden of these failed policies. While we also try to navigate this skyrocketing inflation, the housing crisis, I mean, the it literally just goes on and on what we have to deal with. And we pay so much into taxes for these social safety nets. And then they're not even working. It's extremely frustrating to see as a hardworking Canadian who is a taxpayer. Um, well, we've got a rumble chat that's come in for those who are just tuning in and you're not sure what that is. That's a way where you can be a part of the show. If you go to rumble and donate $5 or more, it helps support the journalism that rebel news brings you. And we read your comment. So this is from cool beans, 89. Thank you. Familiar name donates $5 and says, Oh, Tamara, Andrea, you both are my fave rebels. God has blessed you both. FYI, today is National Nelson Mandela's birthday. Okay, I didn't know that. That's yes, awesome. I saw that. I saw that it was Nelson. So it was. it's National Nelson Mandela's day, but I didn't know it was also his birthday. Um, yeah, I guess so. That's... Thank you. Yeah, thanks for pointing yeah. that out. And he was a purveyor of freedom. Right. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. both <laughs> National International Listening Day and International Nelson Mandela Day, maybe the two go hand in hand, listen to yeah. the freedom fighters <laughs> and uh, try to partake in the conversation. But there was a quote, I forget who it's by, but it, um, oftentimes we we speak with the intent to reply instead of the intent or, or, or we engage in conversation. Right. Anyway, I'll come back to that quote because it's a good one and it has to do with listening and also um, engaging in healthy dialogue. But let's go to a quick ad break and I'll look for that quote and then we'll get into our next topic. How in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening. And it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't in some sense working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. Natokinase is the only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances combating this man-made disaster. All right, I found it. It's a quote by Stephen Covey. I hope I pronounced his last name correctly from the seven habits of highly effective people. Most mm. people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And a few years ago, I remember that quote really resonated with me. And it was a really good reminder on International Listening Day to listen, to slow down, actually listen to what someone is saying to you and formulate your response thereafter. Don't um, don't try to have a response before the other person's even done done talking. So anyway, little side tag <laughs> on Always our commentary today. It reminds me of that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, too. There's a lot of advice like that, too. You know, listen. And I think as journalists, we learn that skill really good, too, because mm -hmm. you can have the ideas in your mind on what you're going to ask someone, but they may take you to somewhere completely different than you expected. And if you're not actually listening to them, you're going to miss that important piece and not be able to pull out more for the people who count on us to have more information. So, um, yeah, definitely a good skill to have. Mm -hmm. And a huge learning curve for me. Um, I, you know, was very much an advocate before I came into this role and into this job. And I had to really slow down and listen to what mm -hmm. other people had to say and try to connect and also empathize and sympathize mm -hmm. with what they were going through in their life so that I could accurately and adequately storytell on their behalf. And so a big part of journalism is also being able to storytell and break things down, make it easy to digest and understand for the viewer. And in order to do that, you yourself have to be that kind of like middleman in the whole equation. So yeah, it's a, it's a great quote and nice to say on Nelson Mandela day, but also, and his birthday, but also international listening day. So our next story comes out of BC, Drea and being our BC correspondent. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to lead the way? 
Sure. This is an article from True North, and it's emphasizing how much hypocrisy there is in our dear Premier uh, David Eby, his announcement that they are pulling or have pulled, I guess, government ads from Meta. Yet their party is still advertising, of course, on Meta. So basically, this is in relation to, of course, Bill C-18, the liberal government's uh, online censorship uh, bill that's passed. There's a lot of thuggery going on here, if you ask me. You know, the federal government is basically saying, we want you to pay for our dying uh, preferred media and Meta saying, no, we're, we're not playing that game. They in advance, uh, they and Meta is the owner of Facebook and Instagram, and I think WhatsApp too. If um, but anyways, oh, yeah. said in mm-hmm. yeah, said in advance, we're not going to play that game. And like I say before, any news is happy to be posted by Meta. I mean, that works if you have ads or something like that, more people are going to see it. So Meta didn't play that game. And so we've recently seen hits to our account for, I know that our Instagram account was blocked and there was some sort of disclaimer that said something like due to Canadian government legislation, Canadians are not allowed to see news content on this platform. So that's kind of what's happened. So you have Premier David Eby, instead of putting pressure on the Trudeau government and saying, hey, listen, let's not try to strong arm, you know, social media platforms. Um, Instead, he's saying, "Okay, well, we're not going to advertise. The federal government also, I believe, did the same um, sort of in a tit for tat move. The article says the liberal heritage minister, Pablo Rodriguez, said the government would cease running ads on Facebook and Instagram, taking away approximately $11 million of meta revenue, which, of course, is less than 1% of their revenue. Um, But the liberal government is also still running ads for themselves. So it's kind of, um, they they said something like, oh, there's a difference between the government and the party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I guess that's what we're seeing with David Eby too. Here's some examples in the article of the ads that are of importance. Um, The party said that they would only run things that are emergency, but the type of ad, they've got a rainbow ad up here. I don't know if we can show on the screen. And I love uh, what True North wrote to describe it. Um, Oh gosh, he said, uh, it says, meanwhile, his party, the BC NDP launched two meta ad campaigns, one featuring a petition in support of free birth control and another petition advocating for gender dysphoric people to have increased access to cut off their body parts among other (laughs) transgender related terms, like just get straight to the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean, that's what they feel is so important out of all the things that could be advertised, that one made the cut for uh, still advertising with Meta. You know, it's hilarious that um, the Liberal Party is trying to flex some sort of like advertising revenue muscle when they have none, (laughs) that they represent (laughs) less than 1% of Meta's advertising revenues. Um, Meanwhile, last year alone, they say that Meta earned approximately $116 billion US dollars in ad revenues. So yeah, the Canadian Mm. government is like, take this meta and meta is basically like, we really don't care. Because (laughs) this whole hit on um, social media platforms through Bill C-18 is to try to generate additional revenue. And so they're trying to get Meta to pay for links to Canadian content, prioritize Mm -hmm. them, put them higher up in the algorithm, so on and so forth. And Meta is just saying, this isn't good for business. This is way too much of a task. And no thanks in response to this ridiculous piece of legislation, again, hasn't been well thought out and is very ambiguously worded and open to interpretation of those enforcing it. Um, Meta said, no thanks, we're just going to block all news content in Canada, like they Mm -hmm. do in totalitarian regimes. Thank you, Justin Trudeau liberals. And um, so even, you know, Rebel News is seeing that hit, but so is the CBC, so is the mainstream media, Global News, CTV, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's kind of ironic now that they're all being put in the same pot. You know, we've had to self-censor on those social media platforms for the better part of two, three years, I guess, also Mm -hmm. since the 2020 Trump election, when you couldn't, you know, question any of the unfoldings or the way that that election was conducted. Um, And so we've seen that already. We've become privy to that. We've discovered workarounds or otherwise. But 
the mainstream media is now running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off <laughs> because they are not familiar and this is all new uncharted territory for them. So it's kind mm-hmm. of ironic and funny to see how this is unfolding. And um, as the chips and the dominoes continue to fall in favor of social media and big tech rather than the Canadian government who's trying to flex, as I said, muscle that it doesn't even have, um, I wonder if yeah. they're going to walk back this heavy-handed legislation and say, you know what, this obviously isn't working. So sorry, yeah, but uh, exactly. we're just going to pull it back. <laughs> Ultimately, they're going to want to control the narrative and get the, uh, you know, their state media stuff out to the people. So I think they will walk back quickly. It kind of reminds me of how quickly the CBC went from "we're not going to be posting on Twitter" to like a couple of days being later, yeah, like coming back. That's right. You know what I mean? It'll be something like that. But what a slippery slope it would be for Meta if they were like, "Oh my gosh, okay, yeah, we'll pay for this," because then they would have to do that for you know, every regime that says, you know what, we want you to do this. And we say, do it now and jump when we say jump. I mean, that's essentially what would happen or what they would be at risk to letting happen. So I kind of understand why they're doing it. I'm certainly not, uh, you know, pro team meta, but it is interesting to see these uh, two bodies go head to head. Yes. Well, and obviously Meta's making this from like they're a business. This is a business yeah. decision. Whereas the Justin Trudeau liberals are making this based on, I don't know, some form of trying to uphold diversity, inclusion and democracy yeah. in some sort of weird censorious form um, as yeah. though democratic debate, robust discussion and freedom of the press isn't literally the cornerstone of a healthy democracy. So somehow in upholding democracy, you have to censor anybody who questions the way that the bureaucracy is conducting itself. And that's what we see, the hypocrisy of the bureaucracy of the Justin Trudeau liberals and others, I would say. Um, I've never really met a politician that I liked, and I'm going to <laughs> scrutinize and criticize all of them equally. Um So speaking of government censorship and overreach, we have another article here from True North, and it's a pro-life group who has recently taken legal action against government censorship. Um, Pro-life organization is filing a constitutional challenge against the Parliamentary Protective Services. That's those who enforce um, the grounds of parliament, so our nation's capital in Ottawa claiming that its charter rights were violated on the grounds of the nation's capital in May. So this comes from Campaign Life Coalition, who Mm -hmm. held a press conference on Parliament Hill on May the 10th. And they had brought signage with abortion victim photography, which Mm -hmm. shows images of aborted fetuses. And the federal department dedicated to uh, the protection of the parliamentary grounds They prohibited the signs and declared that their content was inappropriate for use. Now, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is representing Campaign Life Coalition in court and says that the legality of the parliamentary services actions hinges on the concept of reasonable limits. And so, again, ambiguously worded, open to interpretation, open to definition of these terms, um, but essentially what they're saying is, well, they're seeking a, a Supreme Court decision in the end. I'm, I'm sure they'll appeal it and so on. Um, and the real question is whether these limits imposed by the Parliamentary Protective Services are reasonable. And this is a huge hit to freedom of expression if yeah. this moves forward to show, to have signage, to express your views, to express your opposition, so on and so forth. Um, so this is really interesting and will be a good uh, a good case to, to follow for freedom of expression in this country. Yeah, exactly. Whether you're pro-life or um, pro-death, <laughs> um, you know, it should matter that we should have the right to peacefully gather and <clears throat> have a protest sign. Some people are saying, oh, you shouldn't have an F. Trudeau sign. Well, if you think that that's okay to have, I think that it's okay to have the aborted feces and let people see what abortion looks like. It reminds me a lot of the anti-abortion protest bubble zone laws that we've seen happen in Canada in different places where they're saying, okay, well, you know, if you're protesting abortion, you can't go anywhere near an abortion clinic or a school or things like that. So you see that this isn't the first time that this particular type of activism has been targeted. And again, mm-hmm. it's peaceful protests. And mm-hmm. that's what really matters. And we should be standing for that. So hopefully their case goes well. 
Well, and the same thing relates to um, the trans protests that have happened as well. Like you're not allowed to protest. Uh, Calgary has yeah. that bylaw in place that if you do protest a drag queen story time, you can face fines, aggressive, insane fines, yeah. even jail time. Um, I think that uh, his name's uh, Pastor Derek Reimer. He is being charged under those laws mm-hmm. and the, that, yeah. that newly instituted very liberal pieces of legislation. But yet in our school system, we can show children horrific depictions of sex, gay sex, um, depict pedophilic incest in certain Mm -hmm. novels and graphic Mm -hmm. depictions of these engagements. And that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. That seems to be allowed and tolerable and part of what's becoming the status quo in curriculum all across the country. Um, And yet you can't go out and advocate against abortion with Mm -hmm. a real depiction of what that looks like and what that means to a life um, because it's inappropriate. I just see a huge double standard there and it makes no sense to me. Yeah, we're starting to see, like you said, you pointed out the examples of the people who protest the sexual indoctrination of kids. Uh, you have We have more than one example with abortion. We have the trucker convoy as an example. We're starting to see a clear pattern here of uh, these laws working towards, I don't know if the right word is to say conservative type protests, but typically it is more conservatives who are concerned about these issues. Whereas if you have people um, protesting things like um, for the green agenda, they might be shutting down traffic, um, you know, on a bridge for hours and they get away with doing this. Some of them, of course, get arrested, but you don't see these laws going where it's like, okay, well, this specific type of protester is no longer able to protest mm-hmm. anywhere near a high a highway. That type of uh, reaction from a province, a city, the feds is just not happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, double standard. And I think that, you know, I don't, I don't care what your views or opinions are. If I don't agree with them, that's fine. We can have a discussion. We can have a debate. We can have a counter protest, but I will always uphold your right to say that, to express yourself, to express your views. We don't have to agree. And I don't really care if you agree with me or not, but what is the cornerstone of a functioning democracy and a functioning society is being able to have your freedom of speech and Canada that falls under your freedom of expression And I will always uphold everyone's right to do that and to engage in robust debate and discussion, even if I don't agree with your views, because in the arena of ideas, the only things that will come out on top are the things that are debated robustly and civilly. We can have civil conversation and still have differences and still work through them and be able to relate on other key things. So um, this this censorship in somehow as somehow upholding democracy is completely backwards and not how how democracy works. Yeah, the saying, I don't always agree with what you say, but I will fight for your right to say it. Sounds true. We've got a couple more chats I'll read. Again, live chats. You can connect with us, be a part of the show by donating $5 or more towards our journalism at Rumble. So Aaron Burton, 32, donates $5. Thank you so much. Says, I work at a lab in Burlington and I got an email from some random at our Waterloo facility. The person had pronouns, she, he, it, it's. (laughs) Laugh out loud, made my day. I guess some days it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a woman. Okay, so I have heard this. I have heard that that is a new pronoun making it through. Forget the they and thems. It is the new cool thing in the trans uh, cults. I think there's also also Z and Zer, which is like sometimes you're a they, them, and sometimes you're a she, her. I don't even did, know. Did that ever stick though? Wasn't that, that like one of the first things they tried to do, like the Jordan Peterson thing, where he was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. That's not English. It's not happening. It's not coming right. out of my mouth." Um, but yeah, I think it is one of the newer ones. And like, how offensive is it to be called an it? But it's like the worst thing. I, I just can't <laughs> get over it. But um, wow, it's- Aaron, you actually met an it in person. 
it's very dehumanizing, right? Like yeah. you're an it, you're just, uh, uh, like a lifeless being. It's not, it's very dehumanizing, which I guess is part of the entire agenda, right? It's mm-hmm. humans were made inherently male and female. And so any derivative of that is dehumanizing. And so it, it's just takes that yeah. runs it right home, I guess. Like I have too much respect for another person to refer to them as that preferred pronoun. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's just, you know, I think you need to refer, uh, work on getting some more respect for yourself if you're calling yourself an it. Um, Funas donates $5 as well and says, how long before the CBC comes on and tries to tell us that boo translate to hooray and Cree? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> this, this reminds <laughs> me of Let's Go Brandon. Remember on the, yes, the track when it's... Yes. Yeah, blank Joe Biden. They're saying in the background, you can hear everyone saying, "Let's go, Brandon." It's the same thing. Maybe we do. We have a clip of that where Trudeau was booed recently. Yeah, at the um, Indigenous. What was it? Their summer games or or their national? um, The Indigenous games in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, and he was being booed off of stage. Do we have that clip to share? If anybody's seeing it for the second time, I'm sure they'll love seeing it again. (laughs) Hello, my friends. We have been waiting for this moment. We've been waiting for this moment a long time after the 2020 edition of the North American... I love the game show (laughs) music just before it comes like it's gonna be this amazing speech that comes out and then it's like boo Boom. I must admit my my six-year-old saw that and then the whole day he was going hello my friends boo like he thought it was hilarious but um yeah no totally that could be a go Brandon moment Trudeau actually took to his Twitter to to show you know how much everybody loved him at the indigenous of games. course and of course he left out the, the booing <laughs> Yeah, there you have uh, government censorship. And that's why he needs to censor things like the internet and social media, because you can't have that kind of booing in an auditorium of the people who you're supposed to are supposed to love you and are supposed to be championing your um, goals of reconciliation and so on and so forth um, are booing you on stage publicly yeah. right there for everyone that's, to see. So it's an embarrassment. Totally. And the fact that he just keeps smiling and goes on with his script, it just shows how tone deaf he is, how out of touch Mm -hmm. he is with the people. He does not care if the people boo him. He's so used to it. It's no skin off his back. (laughs) He's just there to do this skit that that he's Mm -hmm. prepared. He's an actor. Just completely incapable of self-reflection and introspection. Um, That's Canada's prime minister on the world stage. Uh, So let's go to an ad break and then we'll come back to some quick hits on things like made and then we'll cut our stream thereafter to get into some COVID talk. In a world plagued by conformity where truth is distorted, freedom is a distant memory and Big Brother is always watching. One man, Winston Smith, looks to break through his bleak existence. Introducing the all-new Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of George Orwell's iconic book, 1984. Now, more than ever, in the age of lockdowns, 15-minute cities, and World Economic Forum globalism, everyone must read 1984. Uncover the hidden depths of this literary classic with our exclusive illustrated edition that brings Orwell's haunting vision to life, reborn with a foreword by Ezra Levant and 30 captivating new illustrations by artist Paul Revoche you see that Orwell is not only explaining what might come, but in my opinion, what's already here, even back when he wrote it in 1949, but much more so as we see revealed today, particularly with the last three years. Join the rebellion against conformity. Get your hands on the Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of 1984, now available at buy1984.com. All right. uh, Halfway through rereading that book. Uh, Definitely check it out. If you haven't reread it again, do it because it's just so creepy how much it relates to today. And if you grab our book, it's never been done like this before. It has beautiful Mm -hmm. illustrations. Um, So check that out. And I want to say one more thing because I am super excited about this. And we only have two spots left. 
um, according to our morning meeting information. And that is the trip to come with the rebels to Israel and Dubai in September. So it's going to be a trip of a lifetime. <clears throat> so the Abraham Accords fact-finding mission with the rebels, September 5th to the 14th. If you go to rebelvacations.com, you can grab one, or if you know a friend, family member, grab two of the last seats. I'm really excited uh, to meet some of you and to join with some of you. And I know we're going to be getting together on a Zoom beforehand to kind of discuss our excitement together. So check that out, rebelvacations.com. I, I can't wait for that. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I'm so jealous. You, you're going to have the best time there. Um, that'll be a trip of a lifetime. And I think you get rebel exclusives too. There'll be a tour guide and you've got unique mm -hmm. takes, unique information. Um, so it's, yeah. it's really going to be a, a good time. I'm, uh, I'm excited for everyone going. Unfortunately, I can't make it, but yeah. um, I can't wait to hear, hear and see um, all about it. All right. So our next article comes from The Messenger. And it's detailing how people in Canada will soon be able to uh, choose medical assistance in death. So, so that's otherwise known as its acronym MADE, which has been legal since 2016. But the legislation is being pivoted and changed now. Um, mm. It was amended in 2021. It's why we launched a campaign um, whose URL is currently <clears throat> slipping my mind. Drea, do you, do you remember? Oh, gosh. Um, Where's anyway, we'll come back there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that in a minute, but oh, because of that amendment, help, help, not. Oh yes. Help something. not homicide. That's right. But help not homicide.com. Okay. And so we, All right. um, dot, dot CA maybe help not. Oh, that's not working either. Sorry, Sorry guys. We'll come but, back to yeah, that. <laughs> we have, if you type in made, uh, and Rebel News, you'll probably come across it because we have reported on this, like you said, it, uh, medical assistance. I, oh, we have it on the screen. Um, 2021. Yeah, it's supposed to be But um, anyway, I might need to clear my cash to get it to work. Um, but that's that's what the URL is. And Sheila yeah. broke that story um, mm -hmm. that the legislation was changing to take into account people with incurable conditions, yeah. um, but also beginning in March of next year, so 2024, it will mm. include people whose sole underlying condition is mental illness. And that sole, um, we've sole seen people, that's it. That's all they need is some sort of mental illness. And if they so please, which is a massive component of people suffering from mental illness, if they are suicidal, then they can go to their doctor. And I think it's one of the, the most um, egregious timelines on this. Someone was able to do it in like 24 hours, get approval, yeah, no. go in and have it done. You know, as a mental health professional, prior to being with Rebel News, this is just so sickening to me. I, how far Canada has fallen morally to think this is okay. This is a eugenics agenda. I mean, people who struggle mm -hmm. with mental illness often idolize suicide. And they, so now they're going to be offered this, maybe like the veterans who needed help with PTSD. They're going to be told, well, you know, you can end your life. You know, maybe it's something that sets them off. Sometimes it could be an anniversary of a death in the family, a breakup with someone. And next thing you know, you're supposed to, as a mental health professional, help them through these feelings of suicide, especially since you know mm -hmm. many times that a week later, they're not going to be feeling like that. So imagine within 24 hours, you can go ahead and be assisted in suicide by the government. And I know another thing on the table is to allow mature minors to be able to do this eventually as well, uh, which is another frightening yes. thing for parents mm -hmm. um, to think that they're teen. A lot of teens do struggle with um, depression and things like that, bullying, things like that. Imagine your teen being able to do this. So mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. yeah, very well, scary. And as the article states here, um, advocates for the disabled, I'll quote it verbatim, Fear the change is happening too rapidly and will put people at risk for opting for MAID, especially yeah. those who are vulnerable, or sorry, those who are unable to access social services. So we saw that people who yeah. were homeless, it was easier to just go oh, out right. and get some, some state sanctioned euthanasia 
than it is to find housing. And we've already discussed yeah. that at length here and why that crisis is happening. And it's due to the liberal policies of opening the floodgates of immigration. Now we don't have enough housing for people. And instead of sorting that out, working through it, trying to get Canadians the help that they need and deserve, well, there's made for that. And so that's okay. According to uh, Canada's Justice Minister, David Lametti, um, he's countered yeah. this sort of criticism. And he says, it's we've gotten where we are now through a number of very prudent steps. Yeah. yeah, they got the legislation, but how it's going to actually be enacted on the ground and the fallout of it, we are seeing playing out as per all the other liberal, bright idea legislation in real time. Yeah, and I just want to throw one more quick imagine. You mentioned the housing, and I know that one gentleman opted for made. What about if they do another declared pandemic? We saw elderly mm -hmm. people just because they were lonely opt to have made, but of course they were also in hospitals. <clears throat> so they had some health conditions, but they said, I'm too lonely. What if they do another declared pandemic where people are fearing, feeling suicidal? How many people will opt to have made in a situation like that? It's just sickening. Yeah, it truly is. And before we get to our next topic, um, which involves COVID, we're going to end our YouTube stream. So if you're joining us currently on YouTube, um, <laughs> please head on over to Rumble, search out Rebel News, or maybe we can put a link in the chat for you to just make that transition a little bit easier. We're going to cut our YouTube screen. We're going to head on over to Rumble, Odyssey or Getter. I like Rumble because they haven't demonetized us. Um, mm -hmm. And we're building up our subscribers there, which is great to see more people joining and tuning in there. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about some COVID nitty gritty. So I'll just wait for the cue from Olivia to let us know when we're safe to move forward with our speech uncensored. <laughs> okay. And in the meantime, I'll <laughs> all right. And so this chat. recent story oh, comes. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Do we want to That's get to? Um, a I'll just read a quick you? chat because I think it. Uh relates to last thing amt60 donates five dollars thank you very much says i'm on a fixed pension and your five dollar minimum oh for rants to be read out is seven dollars canadian i only rant now once every two weeks for rebel live could rebel consider doing two days a week being minimum three per rant thanks well thanks for bringing that to our attention and thank you so much for your support um I'm sure your inquiry is being read. <laughs> so we will chat about it. Yeah, I, I didn't actually know that there was, it was US dollar based. Yeah, so I didn't know thanks that for either. bringing that to my attention. And um, we'll definitely, I'll be bringing that up further and see if we can have that remedied. Um, because yeah, $5 US is now close to $7 Canadian. So um, I empathize that that is more than what we stayed at the beginning. So sorry about that. And we'll definitely look further and thank you for letting us know. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so this article here comes from City News. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, there's been a COVID-19 outbreak <laughs> declared at an Etobicoke hospital. So that's part of the GTA, the greater Toronto area here in Ontario. Um, it says a unit at a West End Toronto hospital has been forced to limit new mm -hmm. patients after a COVID-19 outbreak was declared on Monday. And I just want to prelude this with... Thank goodness we had those miraculous injections that were supposed to be our ticket out of the <laughs> pandemic. Remember, they were sold to us as not yes. only safe and effective, but also if you want to get back to normal and end the, the COVID way. hysteria and the public health mandates and restrictions, then you must get this novel injection. And if we get compliance of up to 90%, yeah. then that's your ticket out of the pandemic. And here we are three and a half years later, <laughs> there is yet another outbreak being declared. Um, the hospital and, won't say, and they won't confirm yeah. how many patients have the virus. But um, as per provincial legislation, an outbreak is declared when two or more individuals test positive with any common link yeah. within a 48 hour period. Well, they've added to another person now, because I don't know if you remember, but originally it was an outbreak only needed one or more <laughs> four. So now it's at least two. Um, but, you know, first of all, hospital wings have had to do this before for influenza. It's not a new thing for this to happen when a virus like a flu goes through and there is an outbreak. They sometimes have to adapt. What is 
abnormal is, you know, every news outlet shouting it out as though it means like there's a pandemic happening or something like that. So you're right. Uh, thanks that so many people have the vaccine, although I think there's <laughs> barely anyone that are, is up to date except for Rachel Gilmore. <laughs> Oh but, my goodness. Um, off topic. But yeah, I mean, and I think the evidence is out there, no matter what, if you believed all the COVID narrative that was happening before or not, the evidence is out there that the virus that is going around today is not the same as before. And so these headlines, these fear mongering headlines never tend to explain that to the people either, or the full article doesn't explain that either. Right. Well, and I think that my personal opinion here is that this is just getting ready to ramp up that public hysteria again, heading into the fall, the as fall, we see yeah. our national um, immunization committee has recommended boosters into the fall of 2023. And I recently wrote that up. Boosters, um, <laughs> boosters for life. Um, it's kind of the revolving door and they actually cite logistics over science. There's no real science, of course. No, we, anyone who's course tried to not. follow the science ended up just following the money. But what yeah. they do in their report, which I don't think the mainstream media read the fine print, and of course I did, um, what I found <laughs> in their report is that they are citing logistics because mm -hmm. they want people to come in for their flu shots and they want people to come in for their routine immunizations, especially yeah. children, those childhood immunizations. And so they're recommending that when you go in for your flu shot or otherwise, you just get your COVID booster as though it's part of the new regime. Yeah. It's part of your new annual vaccination um, mm -hmm. criteria and routine. So they cite that it makes it easier to just consolidate and condense those. And as I did, I linked back in that written report there, but I did a full video on this um, I think about six months ago, maybe even closer to a year ago, when they first started recommending that babies and children were vaccinated with COVID vaccines at the same time that they received yeah. their their um, normal, I guess, for lack of a better word, childhood vaccine schedule. And yeah. the manufacturers themselves, I looked at the package insert for the COVID-19 vaccines for those age groups and demographics. And in there, it says, point blank, that these vaccines and these injections have never been studied or tested. Safety has never been established when you inject them concurrently. So at the same yeah. time as these other injections. So this is all just quite literally a shot in the dark. Like we hope that this is okay, mm. but it's never actually been established to be safe no. or effective. And NASI in their report, the recent one where they recommend these fall boosters, um, disregarded the science that shows an increased risk of a toxicological response, so an adverse reaction, um, when you administer these shots concurrently with other shots, there was an established risk, which they mm. disregarded and ignored, and the mainstream media obviously <sighs> did the same. And they also showed um, lessening immunological responses as well. So the shot was less effective, and that's up for debate in and of itself, but NASI is just disregarding the actual science and instead prioritizing logistics over the vaccine program. It is absolutely horrendous and, and it's horrific. And I hope to have more reports out on that, especially as they continue yeah. to recommend this shot for babies, infants, toddlers, preschoolers, but also for pregnant women. And we're seeing now yeah. with the Pfizer documents and the adverse events that mm -hmm. there is some seriously concerning safety signals happening for pregnant women here and their unborn babies. There is. It's so sick when they're focusing on the children and the pregnant women when they have no science to support it. It's completely experimental. And of course, they brush yes. under the rug any negative effects. So thanks for thank you so much for continuing to really, really dig into there, Tamara. You've done such a good job. <laughs> um, you know, just you know, not letting them get away with anything still. And and they're still trying to. Um, these mm -hmm. articles coming out about this outbreak remind me a lot of what Patty Daly said. Um in charge of Vancouver Coastal Health back in the day when we had the vaccine passport. She, you know, kudos to her, give her applause because she was direct and honest and said the, the purpose of these vaccine passports, it's not to stop the spread, it's just yes. to boost vaccination. So this is just a money grab. That's all this is. Um, and mm -hmm. we, I'm glad more and more people are seeing through it. Absolutely. They're seeing through the propaganda and the hysteria now. And it only took two years, but hey, better late than never, I guess. 
Um, so with that, we are five minutes over and I unfortunately have a battery that's dying. So I'm hoping that I can make it through the ending here. Um, but thanks, yeah. Drea. It's always nice to to be joined by you and to have some commentary. We don't often get to chat. So thanks for yeah. joining me today. And uh, I always enjoy our conversations and I hope our viewers at home did as well. Thanks to Olivia and Efron who make sure everything runs seamlessly and smoothly behind the scenes and everyone else who's involved in publishing this on social media, getting our thumbnails ready, um, getting our headlines finessed, et cetera, et cetera. There's more than just Drea and I who make this mm -hmm. show possible. So thank you to all of them. Thank you to our viewers at home and anybody who sent in your super chats, especially AMT60 who made us yeah. <laughs> privy to the fact that this is actually seven dollars canadian um not five so thank you for that and there will be another group of rebels here tomorrow i think yourself drea and and someone yeah. else maybe it's sheila um but same time same place two new rebels to join you and give some commentary again tomorrow so please stay tuned in and as david menzies would say stay safe and stay sane uh, there is nothing like starting the day in a canoe. It sets off not just the day, but the entire week in the right way. And that's exactly uh, what we're celebrating right here. But I was reflecting on it. Why is paddling so important? Why is the canoe so uh, important to me and to so many uh, Mi'kmaq people, to so many indigenous people across this country? It requires a few different things. It requires, first of all, for you to be in balance. If you're not centered in, in where you are, in who you are, and in how you move, uh, your first step into a canoe might be the first step towards a swim. Uh, you, need, you need to know where you are, how you position yourselves. You also need to be in balance uh, with the world around you, uh, with the waves, with the wind, uh, with the, the universe and what the uh, creator is sending at us. If you're not alert to what's going on around you, again, you're going for a swim instead of a canoe.